Good morning. In this bowl of question crunch, my questions are answered by the one and only Matt Dunford. As the chairman of San Diego Comic Fest, which starts in two weeks, we have a lot to talk about. So, we are recording in uh, the uh, really amazing comic book store that uh, this is the first time being in here and I'm looking around and it's just really just fantastic. I keep thinking about all the stuff I want to buy and I shouldn't buy, but I'm probably going to buy. Uh, we are at uh, Now or Never Comics in downtown San Diego. I'm trying to remember what streets. Dunford, what streets are we on? Uh, we're on uh, F and 11th. Okay, F and 11th. All right, cool. So if, you, uh, if you're in the downtown San Diego area and you want to stop by a cool comic book shop, this would be, I would highly recommend it. Uh, right behind, um, I guess, Dunford uh, is a lot of cool, amazing toys that I'm just like, it's, it's a weird throwback to my whole childhood. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, my guest is Matt Dunford. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing just fine and dandy. Well, I'm really uh, tired because I've been running around uh, talking to so many wonderful people about this uh, upcoming event that I've got. And so it's uh, coming up in a couple weeks. It's called San Diego Comic Fest. So I'm going everywhere I can spreading the word. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Comic Fest, but just for people who are listening right now, uh, what is San Diego Comic Fest? San Diego Comic Fest is the friendly, intimate comic book convention experience. Now, some people say, well, don't you mean San Diego Comic Con? They're like, no, no, we're, we're the little one, and San Diego Comic Con is the big one. However, we're, sa- we're founded by the original founders of San Diego Comic Con, but it's to bring the experience back more towards its roots, where you could have this small, intimate environment with legendary creators of comics and science fiction and animation that you can just hang out with in a, in a just relaxed, intimate environment for the weekend and have a great time. Uh, what sections are uh, Comic Fest? Uh, so the sections were pretty much we are aimed toward comics, science fiction, animation, and film. So pretty much like just the core classic thing. And of course, there is some mild wiggle room for toys and all that sort of thing. But it's just not as big the scale. Of yeah, that's what I mean. Like phys- physical, physical kind of like layout. Is there like is the, I know there's an hour because that's where I got yeah. introduced. So basically, uh, at San Diego Comic Fest, we take our event is taking place at the Four Points Sheraton Resort, which is a very nice, lovely resort area with its own golf course and all that sort of thing. So we do have a dealer hall for the dealers to go through, and we have a small press area, which has been added this year for writers. We also have an artist alley area where for artists who are creating on site, like Jimmy, can show off their goods. Well, I'm in small press this time. Oh, you're in small press? I'm in small press. Ooh. Because I got books. I got books I need to sell. Yeah, so pretty much like there's the criteria between the written... uh, People who have produced written works can qualify for small press, but if you're creating art on site, that's Artist Alley. So we don't have uh, the overlap in between, so we can discern between the two. And we have multiple panel rooms going on. We can have six at once, including a theater room to show films and have some of the uh, more prolific uh, comic book creators do uh, do their talks. And we always have the uh, lovely cafe area, which also doubles as a uh, large panel room. So this we're having the... Harryhausen and Bradbury Cafe area. And previously, we've had the Lunar Cafe to celebrate 50 years of the moon landing. The year before was the uh, Frankenstein Cafe for 200 years of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And the year before that, it was the Kirby Cafe for the centennial of Jack Kirby. And as I mentioned this year, yeah, our theme is the centennial of Ray Bradbury and Ray Harryhausen. And I'm looking super forward to that as a fan of both of their works. Um, 
who comes up with the themes for Comic Fest? That would be our uh, president, uh, Mike Towery, who's the original founder of San Diego Comic-Con. So he founded San Diego Comic-Con when he was only 15 years old, back in 1969, when it was uh, here downtown at the uh, basement of the El Cortez Hotel. And so the event uh, flourished and grew. First year it attracted 300 people, then it attracted 600, and you know, just kept doubling in size over the years till it became the behemoth that it is today. But Mike and his friends kind of still longed for the days of the El Cortez Hotel in the 70s, where, I mean, you were hanging out with creators in an environment barely as big as this store. And just like, Kirby was there, Lee was there, Bob Clampett was there, just like gods of the comic industry. If I could just go fly on the wall when those kind of people were around and to hang out with them for a weekend. And so that's where Comic Fest comes in. And so you have that sort of uh, ambiance with great comic creators. In fact, uh, we have some pretty heavy hitters on this year. I think it's probably the most impressive talent lineup we've uh, acquired so far. So our guest of honor is none other than Mr. Bill Sinkevich. Nice. <laughs> of course, needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. You might Go know him from New Mutants, Electra Assassin. He was drawing every other cover for of comics in the 1980s. Big numbers, straight toasters. Uh, he is you know, he's the co-creator of Warlock from New Mutants and uh, Daredevil Love and War. He's the one who drew Kingpin in that overwhelming, like monstrous style that you see depicted again in Spite in, into the Spider Verse. And the man himself is an art god. And people are like, it's like Bill Sinkiewicz is going to be here. Yes, Bill Sinkiewicz is going to be here. How, how did you wrangle an art god? It's like, he said he'd been hearing so many wonderful things about uh, the event over the years that he just could not resist. He said so many of his friends heard, uh, he heard from them that they were having a wonderful weekend and didn't want to miss out. And so, lo and behold, Bill Sinkiewicz is our guest of honor. And because we also cater toward different areas of things, we also have a science fiction guest of honor, who's none other than Mr. J. Michael Straczynski, who I myself am a gigantic JMS fan. He's my favorite writer. So I, of course, got aware of JMS when he took on the reins of Amazing Spider-Man back in 2001. Are you, are you a big Spider-Man fan? I think you could say I'm a pretty big Spider-Man okay, fan. Okay, all right. When I've I seen your collection. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, I'd been a Spider-Man fan for, you know, about nine years at the time, just reading every Spider-Man book that I could get my hands on. But when JMS took on the book, I felt like that's the first time in my life where the main Spider-Man story was really something really good. And I was just, just tearing through it. I could not get enough of it. And he went on to do other comic stories like Silver Surfer, Requiem, uh, Thor, The Twelve, uh, Bullet Points, just a, a Supreme Power, just all these great stories and then New York Times bestsellers like Superman Earth One and of course I know him from the comics and I mean I won't fake it at all I know JMS is a little <laughs> more known for his science fiction work like Babylon 5 and Sense8 I've actually never watched Sense8 I've never watched Babylon 5 I don't know his science fiction work I am a comic book fan of his but everyone who like is like how have you not watched Babylon 5 I'm sorry I wish I had all the time in the world to check out this stuff but he's my He's my favorite writer. I'll get into Babylon 5 someday. Yeah. And other kids from our generation know JMS from his animation work, like The Real Ghostbusters. He pretty much wrote half of the He-Man and She-Ra universe, Jason the Wield Warriors. He really got around doing those, uh, those 80s cartoons before um, making the jump into television in the late 80s, doing the Twilight Zone revival, and then which would later get him into Babylon 5, which he is best known for. And now, these days, he's a 
you know, like Oscar nominated screenplay writer for movies like Changeling. And he's coming back into comics uh, from the new uh, from the new publisher, uh, AWA, Artists, Writers and Artisans, with a book uh, with Mike Deodato called The Resistance, which I'm really, really looking forward to. I got some uh, <laughs> I got some real Ghostbusters stuff that I'm like I kind of want signed. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> or is he going to do signing? Oh uh, yeah, he actually will be uh, doing some signings there, so Fantastic. you can bring in that Ghostbuster thing. In fact, one of the issues that I often have with uh, Straczynski panels at Comic Con is there's never enough time for everything. So I thought, you know what? Let's. Everyone has different questions about different points in his career, so we're going to break it up into three areas with JMS. Okay. You're going to have spotlight on J. Michael Str on science fiction guest of honor J. Michael Straczynski, where you get the sci-fi stuff. You're going to have the comics of J. Michael Straczynski, moderated by me, so we get to look through his entire comic book career. Awesome. And then we're going to have the animation of J. Michael Straczynski, where you have uh, my good friend T.J. Shevlin, who of course. Anyone who knows TJ, he's formerly of the uh, IDW uh, Comic Art Gallery, now at the toy company Super 7. He is a guru of all things 80s cartoons. When it comes TJ's to, a good guy. I like TJ. Yeah, when it, comes to, when it comes to Transformers and TMNT and, uh, and He-Man, TJ is that guru. And so I think he is the perfect guy to get those questions out of JMS for his, uh, his animation career. I really like the organization of that. That's really cool. Yeah. That 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 makes sure that you don't have all of the same fans in the same room. That and and because a lot of times when you see someone is in a panel, it, you're like, I don't really want to hear all about that. I don't. I it, it's it's overwhelming. Yeah. And so I like it that you separate it in categories. That's that's way too cool. Yeah. And so I think that is cool. But of course, I don't want to dwell too much on our prolific guests of ours. <laughs> yes, I'm very happy for them. But we do have other people coming on board, including. Artists like Liam Sharp, who you might know from Wonder Woman and Green Lantern and The Brave and the Bold, he is coming on board. He has just been absolutely knocking out on Green Lantern lately. He's a wonderful guy. It's been a couple of years since he could make it to Comic Fest, but we're happy to bring him back. Uh, also happy to bring along Wendy and Richard Peeney from ElfQuest. Yeah. And so they are just a wonderful, talented couple, and I could not be more thrilled to have them around. And they are so into the idea of celebrating Bradbury and Harryhausen for the theme of Comic Fest this year. And uh, another great heavy hitter, I am so excited to have him on board, Marv Wolfman. Yeah. No, yeah. I saw I saw his name show up, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> we are going to be celebrating 40 years of Teen Titans. Uh-huh. Yeah, or new Teen Titans in this case. And we're also going to be doing, uh, I've also got another panel coming up for him called Midlife Crisis. Crisis on <laughs> Infinite Earths at 35. So you can talk with Marv about creating the Crisis on Infinite story 35 years ago, jumping back to it in Infinite Crisis 15 years ago, and as of last month, him doing the... Crisis on Infinite Earth TV show yeah. that connected the Arrow universe with everything there. And so you can talk with him just overseeing those things. And so, yeah, a lot of history going in with that. Did you see his cameo on that? I actually have not watched okay. it. Okay, all right. No, that's fair. That's fair. He, did, he, he just does show up in yeah. the show. <laughs> I heard everyone showed up. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> it was. I love that crisis, and I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, the, the Midlife Crisis panel is a pretty awesome idea. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, we are very into celebrating legacies of comic book creators mm -hmm. and people who are, you know, infamous car uh, famous cartoonists or sometimes infamous cartoonists. One of the guys I'm uh, really looking for celebrating this year, his wife or widow is coming on by, Trixie Roth, who is the widow of the great, late great Ed Big Daddy Roth of Ratfink fame. Okay. <laughs> So all the Ratfink gang is going to come out with their hot rods and celebrate and all these very 
those established official Ratfink artists can come out to celebrate the Ratfink legacy, and I think that's going to be a fun twist on things. This is going to be a generally fun. Like, I, this is my favorite thing about Comic Fest is the stuff that you wouldn't expect that celebrates uh, celebrates comic book culture throughout the years. It's not just the big budget stuff now. Yeah, I mean, th that can be celebrated anywhere. It's like, I do like to dabble into the history and see how this stuff was affected and how it inspired all these great creators that, that we love. And so I like this, you know, kind of balance that we've created where the guests that we have have established paths as creators. So something for the older crowd, but they're still actively working on projects. So it's something for the newer crowd. So there's those blends of young and old that can celebrate their works together at Comic Fest. And of course, as I mentioned, I am celebrating uh, another theme this year. Yeah. Something I never imagined I could ever happen. It's like last year at San Diego Comic Fest, I uh, casually uh, encountered a guy who was uh, bumping around the show, and he was—I uh, I didn't catch his name until the last day of uh, of the event. His name was Mark Ditko. Yeah. And I was like, any relation to? Yes, Steve Ditko was my uncle. <laughs> and. Steve is actually coming. I mean, uh, Mark 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 Ditko is coming to show off some stories from the Steve Ditko archives from his late his late great uncle, and it's just something that I you know as I mentioned, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I'm a huge yeah. Ditko fan. Ditko is just one of those creators that always captured my imagination. But he was a very private guy, so nobody really knew much about him, and to see. Mark share these stories about him and show that he was a very nice, very fr family-friendly guy. And so there's some people saying, "Oh, Ditko wouldn't return my calls or return my emails or not." It's like, but you see, it's like you know, he was a very private guy. But seeing the side of him that we'd never seen before, it's just so really inspiring. And so I'm really happy to have Mark on board to uh, to come and you know chat about his uh, late great uncle. And so I think it's just really wonderful that what he's been doing for. Of course, the Ditkoverse, as uh, you can check it out online. It's, it's like, I decided Ditkoverse. And so come to the show and meet Mark Ditko and, uh, you know, hear some stories about Steve Ditko. It's going to be wonderful. Now, will this be in like a panel or is it going to be like we are going to be doing, area? Uh, we're going to do a, a panel called Into the Ditkoverse. Where okay. We're going to have uh, Mark and a number of uh, creators who have been inspired by Steve Ditko come forward and they're going to be uh, chatting about uh, the legacy of Steve Ditko. And that's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the, one of the most, if not the biggest, uh, most important panel of the uh, of San Diego Comic Fest, at least according to me. That's, that's <laughs> um, how long have you been associated with Comic Fest? I came on board with San Diego Comic Fest around the third year. I was uh, working with a guy who, I'll just call him Lord Voldemort. And sure. of course, they kind of realized I was working with them at the time, and he was brought on to work with uh, Comic Fest, and they kind of realized that this guy's intentions aren't exactly noble but his assistant is the most absolutely passionate guy on earth and he just never slows down when when wanting to uh, make things better and help to foster a community so i got involved as a volunteer year three and then you know shortly before year five they said you've been so helpful to us would you actually like to become the chairman of comic fest are you sure? I'm kind of a young guy. And they took a big gamble, and I guess it's kind of paid off for them because I'm the guy who just won't shut up about it because I just love this experience too much, and I love seeing San Diego Comic Fest blossom from what it was, you know, 
you know, during your first two years, like most conventions, you're taking your baby steps and you're learning to crawl and now you're up and running and now it's, it's like finishing first at marathons. That's <laughs> where Comic Fest has, con has gone now. Um, I think it's funny that you say that you're a, a young guy because uh, every conversation, whenever uh, I see you talking to the older guys, you're a young guy but with a very historic knowledge of comics and just uh, cartoons, uh, anything that... Uh... <laughs> it, it's weird when people who created these comics and cartoons reach out to me for reference points because somehow oh I God. know it better than they do. It's like... There's a, there's a point last year when we were doing the 25th anniversary of uh, uh, of Spider-Man animated series. John Semper said, uh, now I'm just mad I'm going to have to ask you to t uh, tone it down to a minimum because we're going to be here all day. And if uh, and if he starts talking, he's just not going to stop because he knows more about the cartoon than I do. So. <laughs> I, can, I can totally see that. As someone who has to scroll through their history, uh, having you available would be really convenient. <laughs> To be like, hey, so uh, this character, uh, what's his relationship like? <laughs> Five hours later, and it's like, and that's <laughs> chapter one of my story of this extremely obscure character. Well, my favorite example of that is when I uh, when I saw uh, I, I visited your house and I saw the picture of Last Crusade, and I was like, I like that Indiana Jones. And then you went on a whole detail of uh, how uh, Indiana Jones is connected to uh, Scrooge McDuck. In fact, I actually <laughs> told that story to Jim Steranko two weeks ago when, okay. he visited, when he visited town. He actually did not know the Scrooge McDuck connection there. He's like, you know, when I created Indiana Jones, I did it like this. He was the hardest. I said, yeah. It's like, actually, that's not the true inspiration. The true inspiration was Scrooge McDuck. No, that's not true. It's like, actually, it was. In fact, George Lucas openly admits this in the opening to uh, Carl Barks' Scrooge McDuck, Only a Poor Old Man. He said he did reference that the uh, rock rolling scene was done from, an Indi from a, a Scrooge McDuck comic. And I said he paid tribute to him by pretty much modeling Sean Connery's character after Scrooge McDuck verbatim. And you brought out the book, because I remember for yeah, me, I, you brought out the book. No, the thing is, if you're in my presence, I will take out reference points. I will show you <laughs> fact of where this happened and how this is. Uh, I was very impressed that you had work citation. That was in, in real life. You're like, here's my citations. And I was yeah. like, all right, there you go. <laughs> I don't deal in truth. I deal in fact. Also a line from Indiana Jones. Uh, what about this year? Oh, do you have any other guests that you're looking forward to? Uh, yes, there's a lot of other guests I'm looking forward to. In fact, we can we keep are... going down the list. Okay, yeah. So I'm looking forward to bringing in the legendary three tuners okay. who are giants of the anim of animation history. So of the three tuners, we have Mr. Tony Benedict, who worked on the Jetsons, on Flintstone, on Top Cat, and Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, and of course, Miguel Gorilla. He's still around with us. He worked with Hannah and Barbera back in the day, like those late 50s, early 60s cartoons. He's coming. That's a hell of a list of cartoons. We also got Jerry Eisenberg, who was an animation producer, animator storyboard. He was pretty much everything at Hanna-Barbera. He did so much at Hanna-Barbera, so much at Ruby Spears. He did the Jetsons. He did Huckleberry Hound. He did Johnny Quest. He did Wacky Races. He did Super Friends. He did Plastic Man. He did Thunder the Barbarian. Sorry, that's a face of, uh, of shock and impressive. <laughs> yeah. He's coming on board. We've also got Willie Ito who was an animator for Disney back in the day, and of course for Warner Brothers, including working with Chuck Jones. And, uh, you know, his main claims to fame, he's got a couple, mainly they're kind of dog-related. He created Hong Kong Fooey. He also animated the spaghetti scene in Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> that little bit of history, and that particular individual is... Uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's pretty iconic bit of history. Yeah. <laughs> So you can come and meet that guy there. And 
there's also another wonderful uh, wonderful animation uh, animation guru of history, a Disney legend himself, Mr. Floyd Norman, who was the first black animator at Disney, is coming to the show. He got started working at Disney in 1959, working on Sleeping Beauty. Spent the better part of a decade working with Walt Disney. Not a lot of guys around who can say they still worked with Walt Disney. Yeah. That's, uh, is he going to have a panel or? Yeah, Floyd, uh, Floyd is going to be having a panel and do not miss out on this man's story. It I'm is... looking forward to that. Because <laughs> like, I'm thinking about like my table and I'm like, who can I, who can I have watch my table while I check out this panel? <laughs> yeah. And also other guests going down the list again because we are he is the probably the biggest Bradbury and Harryhausen fan in the world. He's always first to sign up as a special guest, Mr. Bill Stout, who is a concept artist for everything and anything. You can see Stout's artwork everywhere from doing creepy covers back in uh, back into the late 70s to uh, being the concept artist for Masters of the Universe film. Uh, if you go to the San Diego Zoo or the Natural History Museum, he's the guy who designed those murals there. This guy, this guy has worked for Steven Spielberg. He designed the the dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. <laughs> actually, um, the Adventures of Bluefoot, or, or actually, this children's book he did about a dinosaur is what inspired the Land Before Time. It's just this. This, if you had a chance to meet Bill Stout, he is also another art god, and he is so absolutely prolific with what he does. Um, also, we have our dealer guest of honor, Terry O'Neill, who you might know from the California Comic Con. He's been dealing for over 40 years, the, the Overstreet Price Guide, and you know, he's just a collectible genius. And so if you ever have the chance to go to one of Terry's shows, you know, definitely check him out. Also, uh, prolific artist Mike Royer, who used to be Jack Kirby's inker back in the day. He actually spent 20 years as the art director of the Winnie the Pooh toy line, which is really cool to see, too. <laughs> and that's really cool. And, of course... My old pal John Semper of the Spider-Man animated series sure. is coming back on board. Of course, he also wrote for Static Shock. He was the first black animator at uh, in history, well, black showrunner at his in history. That was sorry, black first black animator was Floyd Norman. But Semper worked for Jim Henson, Stan Lee, George Lucas, Vincent Price, just to name a few. Oh, he also uh, <laughs> sorry, he also my, he wrote he also took wrote a sharp turn at Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah. There can go to Scooby Doo. That's, yeah. <laughs> that was one of his real first gigs. And um, separate, actually, fun fact about him: he also worked with Hayao Miyazaki. He did the English translation for Kiki's Delivery Service. That's right. He said that was actually the final project that Phil Hartman worked on before he, before he passed. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I I love the adorable. When you ever, whenever you post the photos of you two on social media, it's adorable. Your, your smile and your joy. Everyone, it just always it's sounds legitimate. like I have like the biggest smile on my face when I get to talk about the Spider-Man animated series. It's super authentic, and I just every time I see it, I can't not smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other animation guests: Buzz Dixon. You know him from Thunder the Barbarian, GI Joe, Transformers, Tiny, just about every single '80s cartoon that was a toy commercial disguised as an animated series. He wrote all of those. Buzz is a wonderful guy with a great history. Really nice guy. Like the, mm -hmm. he's he's one of those people. Like I had a, you, you last year. No, not last year. Was it two? Was it last year? It was, it was last year. year. Mm -hmm. It was last year. We all went out to dinner, and that was uh, really fun. He's a cool guy. Yeah. And uh, who else do we have on board? Oh yeah, we've got uh, Ken Micheroni, who uh, he's an official Ratfink artist. He was a storyboarder, I believe, for the Lego Movie. He used to draw the Ren and Stimpy comic back in the day. He's wow. pretty much just done. He's been all over the board when it comes to you know artist illustration, cartoons, animation. He just he is a great guy to bring on board. Also, another really cool dude, I got to have a beer with him when he came into Solana Beach last week, Jim Kruger. 
You might know him from Earth X, the current Marvel series. Marvel's X. He did uh, this. He did. Uh, he did the series Justice with uh, Alex Ross. He seems to collab. He collaborates with Alex Ross for just like every single project that Alex Ross does. And he has such a wide plethora. He has a great knowledge of of comics and he and great film and meet Jim Kruger. He is an awesome guy. Where'd you guys go get drinks? Uh, we went up to Culture Brewing in Solana Beach. Really great spot to enjoy a drink along the sunset. Huh. That's romantic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am just a hopeless romantic. And uh, another great guest to bring on board, Chris Ryle, who is the president, publisher, and chief creative officer of IDW Publishing. You know, he's got his hands full lately. You know, he put together the, uh, the Lock and Key series for Netflix, which you should ch go check out. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a huge Lock and Key fan. Well, that came out this Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that just premiered, and uh, so go check it out. Go pick up Lock and Key and come meet Chris Ryle. He is literally, he's been described as Peter Pan, but like, you know, the kid who never grew up, but grew up to got to get the, the, the dream job he always wanted. He is so passionate about comics, and he's such a chill dude, and he is the definite right guy to run IDW. I, I adore this guy. Nice. Now, when, when, when this airs, it, uh, Lock and Key did not just come out. It came out a few weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> And, I always forget uh, about the time. Yeah, there's always that time change. And so, you know, we have so many wonderful creators coming on board. And so I'm just so happy to have all of these folks in. And I just cannot tell you enough. Come I to see, San Diego Comic Fest. I see you scrolling down that list. And uh, every time I go on the website and see the list, it's it's uh, inspiring. It's, it's awe-inspiring. I'm looking forward to yeah, seeing it. Yeah, I'll be here story. all day if I say it, everyone. But just go online. It's www.sdcomicfest.org. Check out our special guest list. Come to our show March 5th through the 8th. We have a lot planned. Now, the cafes are always really amazing how you guys direct that, decorate that. Um, uh, was it the last year was the moon landing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love the, uh, the, the, the moon with the eye. Yep. That was an amazing, like you, you usually in the lobby when you first enter in the hotel, there's like this big decoration. Uh, one year it was the gorilla. Um, yep. the, uh, what, do, can you tell us what's coming up next or is that a secret? Um, it's still kind of a secret, okay. but, um, you know, if I told you, you'd probably turn to stone. Oh, <laughs> oh my Come on, man. That was too much of it. <laughs> it might have you shaking. There might be some stuff that might have you shaking in your bones. <laughs> These are good. Can hints. you hear my winks? <laughs> I think anyone can hear the winks. Those are good winks. Those are very loud winks. <laughs> uh, besides your guest list, what what else are you really looking forward to besides the panels and the guests? Uh, I'm looking forward to all them rat fink hot rods coming around. Oh man! So is that going to be in the parking lot of the hotel, or where is that going to? Who knows? They'll probably just drive all over the place. Okay. They'll probably run around the golf courses. Like I don't mind. That'd be cool. I'm looking super forward to that. Now, as a, uh, a Pokemon champion, mm -hmm. um, what if you could find if you could get a Pokemon to help you uh, with Comic Fest, with advertising, with anything that you're doing? What Pokemon would you choose? Probably Mr. Mime. Okay, Mr. Mime is uh, it's like at least he could try to do what I do, not quite, but he'd be a good shadow guy in case I die and he has yeah. to take over. But then he'd get on podcast just saying, "Mime, Mime, Mr. Mime, Mr. Mime." You don't want Ditto. No, because I don't want to look like uh, an Adventure Time character. <laughs> that that is fair. That is completely fair. Like I, I, I uh, just a few weeks ago, I watched. Uh, finally, got to see Detective Pikachu, and uh, 
Ditto turning into humans, but having those eyes was one of the creepiest fucking things I've ever seen. Yeah, I still haven't seen Detective Pikachu yet. Um, I should get around to it one day, but it's still, I don't know. The movie just looks really weird. It's very weird. And the the, uh, the, beginning, the first part of the film is not really that well written, but once it starts getting really exciting, it actually is a, a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's okay. just weird. Uh, what has been one of your favorite experiences from all of your years with Comic Fest? Um... My absolute favorite experience that I ever had was doing the True Origins of the Spider-Verse panel last year. So that was part of the 25 years of uh, 25 years of Spider-Man the Animated Series. Of course, it's just, I don't like to shoehorn in my inner fanboy, but last year it's like, you know what, we're doing it, we're doing it. We're doing 25 <laughs> years of Spider-Man Animated Series. It's like, take it or leave it. Yeah. And to see, it must have been a room of like 200 people there. Even my dad came. He was sitting front row center to cheer me on at this panel. It was just great to see so many people uh, enjoying their experience there and so and celebrating uh, celebrating the Spider-Man cartoon. And of course, this was coming up fresh off the heels of Into the Spider-Verse, which everyone loved. I loved it too, but for me, it just felt like a very familiar story. And I thought, you know, John and I were like, why don't we tell them where it really came from? And we got to reveal for the first time the true origins of the Spider-Verse, John said, okay, don't worry, um, thank you so much for everyone being here. Like, I know y'all loved the uh, End of the Spider-Verse film, but I'm going to show you where it truly came from. And so he reaches into his bag. Here is how Spider-Verse came to be. He reaches in, pulls out a single packaged action figure from the Spider-Man animated series line. And he says to me, Matt, who is this? That is Web Armor Spider-Man from Spider-Man Series 2, which debuted February 6, 1995. Um, more information than I needed, yes. And what does it say on the packaging right here? Now appearing on the Spider-Man animated series. We had done two lines of action figures. We had plans for every single one of those characters to appear on the show. This guy was nowhere in sight. We had no plans whatsoever for Web Armor Spider-Man to be on the show. And I felt so bad that we were false advertising to kids with that now appearing on the Spider-Man animated series that he just felt really bad. So when the show was ending, he had this brilliant idea. Okay, for the final part, Spider-Man is going to save all of reality, but he's going to do it with Spider-Men from different dimensions of reality, and the Spider-Men from other dimensions are going to be those action figures that we never used. (laughs) Okay. And that's where (laughs) Spider-Verse came from. It was all web armor Spider-Man's fault. So they even got in, like, that in those episodes, like, you know, they fought against Spider-Carnage, who was, of course, of the Spider-Man Monsters line, where they were trying to, like, catch up to McFarlane toys. So you had Scarlet Spider, you had Octo Spidey, and... They, they, was this like a Madam Web? That yeah, Madam Web organized all this. And of course, Web Armor Spider-Man was the Spider-Man who never made a mistake in his life. It's like, cool, why can't I lead the team? I'm a multi-billionaire. It's like, what, you don't have your own giant spider robot? They brought in the act, the, the spider robot, and that was part of the action figure line. And they brought it in there, too. It's like, it, John said that was a subtle nod to the uh, Japanese Spider-Man show, where he had his own Megazord. And so, like... I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was so good, and I really absolutely loved it. And he said it was just the perfect way to close out the series. 
Damn, you're really making me want to watch that series again. It's been yeah, a while. I know, and it's on Disney Plus too. If you want to watch it, oh, don't miss I, it. I got Disney and, Plus. It's and so, happen. so John says to me, he's just like, you know what? It's like, and so it's just it stemmed from me wanting to be the good guy and not to make sure that kids felt betrayed for buying action figures that didn't end up on the show. And I said, actually, you know, I never felt betrayed by that, John. In fact, I'd like to give a shout out to the guy here who bought more Spider-Man toys than anyone else on Earth. Can we give a round of applause to my dad? And then my dad gets a standing <laughs> ovation from the crowd. John says, Dr. Dunford, thank you for keeping Spider-Man in business with your action figure sales. <laughs> I, I, because I, I, I didn't get to see this panel, but I'm really glad you're telling me this little tidbit because mm. now I'm going to appreciate Into the Spider-Verse even more. Like, I've already appreciated the hell out of that movie with all their attention to detail. But the fact that it's because of a toy and uh, the desire to not lie to kids... <laughs> Yeah, that's where it really came from. And then the thing is, the more I talk with other creators of uh, who've had their hand in Spider-Man, it's like that's where they start seeing how Spider-Verse pulled from some of theirs. Like, John did his thing. I mean, Bill Sienkiewicz, you see that he have, they obviously pulled his kingpin from it. But talking with Jim Kruger, they're saying, like, you know, Earth-X, I was the guy who did the fat Spider-Man. Peter Parker was out of shape, and he couldn't... He wanted to get back in the game after being out of it for so long, so he goes to buy a, like, Halloween store Spider-Man costume. He was the first fat Spider-Man. I created the fat Spider-Man. <laughs> and the best part of doing that panel is after I did it, I was actually officially recognized by Marvel Comics as the world's biggest fan of the Spider-Man animated series. That's... How, how did that get acknowledged? It just were to got out there. Okay, no, I'm just wondering if they, if they acknowledge it on their website or their comic book, like, uh, or they put drew you in a comic. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's he's, literally, he's pulling up a it's, link. It's literally there on the wiki. Ah, uh, that's fantastic. As a child, Matt Dunford is into pirates and Lego sets. Matt Dunford, uh, Matt's father, took him to Toys R Us where he bought the Spider-Man anniversary. And it's like, on the Foxy Kids, November 1994, the Night of the Lizard, finishing watching the of the Pirates, <laughs> sort of thing. Matt Dunford, now 25, attended San Diego Comic-Con in line for John Romita Jr., his favorite Spider-Man artist. Matt saw John Semper return for, it's like, and... And you didn't write this. I did not write this. <laughs> they, they put in my whole Spider-Man... It's like... It, it, and it's, it, it happens when you... That's do, pretty it, cool. I kind of want to draw you as a Spider-Man fanboy, but it's got to be the animated series, right? It's got to be the animated. <laughs> it can also be Ultimate. It can also be Straczynski Spider-Man. There's a lot of Spider-Man I'd love. You can bring in Toby, too. Toby's now, where is, this, where, is this, where is this description at? So the Spider-Man wiki. I want to read all of it. It's Spider-Man wiki? The That's all I need to know. Spider-Man animated wiki. It's, so I search Spider-Man and you Dunford. Just, you just Google Spider-Man Matt Dunford. It's there. Okay, cool. I, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Yes. Um, if you could have any uh, any three side character from The Simpsons to be on a panel at Comic Fest, what three characters would you choose? Comic book guy, Poochie, and Carl. <laughs> what would be the What would be the panel? Life without Lenny. <laughs> I, I I like that. Uh... <laughs> Please don't tell everyone how I live. Okay. <laughs> I'm not getting, do you want me to tell people how you live or your, your Simpsons? Well, everyone knows how I live on top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, speaking about side characters and characters that people should know more about, one of my favorite character uh, from Comic Fest, and I love drawing him, is uh, Festivo. Festivo, yes. Festivo. Yes. He's a great character. Um, what can you tell us about Festival? 
festival, of course, is created by uh, special guest Scott Shaw, also appearing at San Diego Comic Fest. Uh, Scott has been a uh, very uh, strong supporter of San Diego Comic Fest from the start. He always has a great time every year. We love doing his oddball comic show. We even love his uh, late night oddball comic show even more. So, Which is a good panel. Oh it's my a great God. panel. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And make sure you have a couple drinks before going to that one, too, so you can laugh even harder. So... Uh, well, tell us about your oddball. I want I want people to know what the oddball is. Okay, show oddball is. comics is this panel that Scott Shaw does every single year, where he takes some of the most ridiculous comic covers of all time and does them in a presentation show and just has an absolute ball with it, making fun of it, telling you the history of it. And the uh, late night edition is the uh, one where you leave the kids at home, where the jokes are a little. Where the jokes are a little dirtier and, uh, and profanity like, is all over the place all over the place in these books and so and it's like you just think how did this kind of stuff get published in the first place and he dissects it it was like because what i think the first time i saw this panel i was waiting for you when you said i'm at this panel and i was mm-hmm. like you know what i'll sit in for it and it's a really funny panel it's really good <laughs> like he shows you some of the weirdest weirdest covers i've ever seen <laughs> yeah and um so anyway back to the story yeah, yeah. festival Festi- uh Scott Shaw had designed a character for us uh, for San Diego Comic Fest. Originally, this kind of character with a with an yellow and orange color scheme. He was kind of the mascot, kind of just doing a sort of a Jack Kirby pose. He was sort of. Um, it's interesting. I, I see the influence for this character was another uh, character that uh, Scott had done for at the original San Diego Comic-Con in the uh, El Cortez building here downtown, they have an archive of some classic Comic-Con materials from the 1970s. And I realized that Scott had done a sort of, uh, had done a character called Culture Vulture, who's very similar to like a Don Martin character. And Scott had done this and kind of just like done a revivalization of it. But he felt like, you know, it's like, I I could probably do better. And so he wanted to have this, have a character with a little more flair. Think of like San Diego's original mascot, Don Diego. So he wanted a character that kind of looked like Don Diego and created this new mascot with kind of a mustache and a bright color, like green and yellow color scheme and slicked hair, sort of like, you know, uh, just like, you know, you know, sort of Mexican-American character that had this seagull on his chest. Of course, the official bird of San Diego. And you know, we never really gave him a name. We kind of just called him Festival or something. So, because I mean, Don Diego was the kind of original mascot, getting people to go out to the Del Mar racetracks and like come to San Diego to do this. And so, like Festival kind of has that attitude there. And Festival was paired up with uh, some uh, other characters. He was uh, paired with a. Uh, of course, you have to have an adorable animal character. This uh, little koala that uh, pops in, and uh, there's a young woman that uh, also who is we haven't come up with a name for, and then uh, a. A uh, kind of junior sidekick who is uh, modeled after a student I used to work with at Little Fish Comic Book Studio named Adrian Perez. And uh, Scott took a liking to Adrian, so he was so happy to have uh, one of the characters modeled after Adrian. And um, Adrian's character, it's like he hasn't got it. We're just kind of calling him A-Man, which is the uh, nickname that uh, Adrian's mom came up for him for his escapades. And so Adrian still doesn't believe that a character was modeled after him. He's like, I don't see it. It's like, no, it's you. It's you. Um, do you, do, you, do you, uh, I wonder with the koala, if you're going to have, like, any, like, donation to, uh, help koalas now, ever since Australia. Oh, you know, we may have something. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, the whole thing is like, oh, yeah, it's like, koalas, we want to, we want to make sure our, uh, our koala has a, has a nice, good home here in San Diego. And, of course, that koala comes from the fact that Scott, uh, did used to work at the, uh, 
at the San Diego uh, the San Diego Zoo back in the day. His father was actually chief of security. Garland Shaw, he spent some 50 years after his his father was a Pearl Harbor survivor. And after World War II, he got the job as lead of security at uh, at the San Diego Zoo. And Scott tells the coolest stories about his father, his experience there, like how many presidents had come through, even that um, time when the uh, when the Emperor of Japan came through. And he said, you know, just we had our differences in the, in the past, but I'm showing you the respect that uh, that we give to each other as friends and allies here. And it's like, well, that's a really classy move on Scott's uh, dad's part. And so, is sure. and so like Scott, of course, just go to his Facebook, follow his stories. He tells all these great stories about the history of San Diego, the architecture and that sort of thing. You will learn so much about classic San Diego from Scott Shaw. And it's nice to see some of that reflected in the characters for San Diego Comic Fest. He's a fantastic guy. Like, I've never... Yeah, I've enjoyed every encounter with Scott Shaw. And uh, we're coming up with another shirt this year. And it's uh, coming out... Uh, very, you'll probably be able to see it. Uh, it'll probably be done by the time it's uh, it's done up. It's done by Scott Shaw and currently undergoing colors by uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Dax Schaefer, who actually did the colors for it last year. And so he came out with some really beautiful on this turquoise canvas showing the moon landing and with the characters there. And it was really great. And I can't wait to see the, see what they come up with for this year's shirt. I'm looking super forward to that. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, as a big fan of, uh, Brad, it's going to be themed with Bradbury and, uh, Harry Hudson, right? Bradbury and Harry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm looking super forward to that. I might have to get that shirt. <laughs> I recommend show up day one to get that shirt because they do sell out fast. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, what is uh, what kind of superpowers does a uh, festival have? Um, he can make anyone hyped up for friendly, intimate conventions in the San Diego area. <laughs> so he's got the pa- the uh, Dunford powers. Yes. <laughs> Was he I bit w- by a radioactive Dunford? Yes, that's that's his origin. <laughs> um, if there was a live action movie, who would you uh, cast as uh, festival? Would I cast as festival? I like a sexy mustache. I like a sexy mustache too. It's almost too sexy. Uh, it's never too sexy. Because <laughs> every time I draw him, I always have to add the mustache, and I love it that's that thin mustache. I could see uh, I could see Robert Downey Jr. playing him, okay. but I would love Tobey Maguire to play him. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of guess that you would say Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Why not? They, he's the only greatest superhero of all time. <laughs> I'm I'm looking super forward to this. Uh, what has been like the uh, hardest uh, cafe to decorate? Um, it's like kind of hard to say because I mean the moon landing was a really cool one to deal with, but I, I think the biggest challenge, of course, was the layout for the Kirby Cafe because okay. just what goes where, how to go where, and so when you're setting things up, and all of a sudden I'm seeing Kirby co- I'm seeing Kirby covers I've never seen before in my life. So it's like I kind of got delayed just saying I haven't seen this one. And I'm just like taking in all the, Matt, you need to put it up. Hold on, I'm not done looking at it. Like, <laughs> that's why it was difficult for me because I kept getting awestruck by the stuff I was seeing. Yeah. And you look at so many different, so many different variations of Kirby throughout the era where he's getting into like, oh, he's a more Indian art this time. He's more, you know, Aztec. Oh, he's more Incan style this. And you see the architecture reflected in those different stories that he was doing. Um, who, who found all the art for it? I think it was Google. It was Google. Okay, cool. <laughs> a quick Google search. <laughs> um, I really love uh, the cafe when it was Frankenstein. Uh, he had a really cool uh, standee. Um, yeah. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein was amazing. <laughs> he was. 
That was a <laughs> bit of a shock to me too. <laughs> was it? It was no plan. You just walked in. It's like, hey. Yeah. I mean, for those who aren't, weren't aware, like yeah. the uh, the art director that year, uh, Mario Torres, actually based Victor Frankenstein off of me. We're gonna find a photo. We're gonna post on Instagram with the epi- this episode because it's yeah. one of my favorite photos. Yeah. Because I mean, I was just like given as like a friend of Torres. Like all of a sudden, it's like, hey. Did they make me Victor Frankenstein? <laughs> it was a funny image because I think you told me about it when I was in North Sally. I was like, I'm going to go check it out. See how close it is. I walked in the cafe. I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some uh, some, some Denford facial features in there. Yep. Um, I'm looking super forward to this because uh, I, I think that... Uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do it. We'll see how it works. But uh, every time I do, every time the comic fest is coming up, I do a cover photo that's based on themes that you have. Uh, this year because Ray Bradbury, I'm gonna try to do clay sculptures for the cover photo for uh my Facebook page. But Ooh. I'm not really too keen on sculpting. I'm I'm still deciding whether or not I want to do the color sculpture or uh regular gray clay and then paint it because the last time I did clay. I cooked it in the oven and it kind of got singed. So I was like, I don't want to, don't want to singe the, co- the clay sculptures. Yeah, I had no artistic talent, so I couldn't give you an evaluation. <laughs> but one thing I really gotta do is I gotta, I gotta do some kind of reference to uh, the Halloween tree, which I think I told you when I heard that Bray Bradbury is coming in. I was like, ah, do something with Halloween tree. And you're like, okay. Because <laughs> uh, Halloween tree is my favorite Bradbury story. As I've heard, I, I hear that a lot. People yeah. are really hyped up about the Bradbury theme this year and the Harryhausen theme. So it's just so many in the fact that these creators are saying, you want me to be part of the convention that stands on the shoulders of giants? I'm in. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking super forward to that. I like it. Uh, which, which, which you mentioned earlier that it's getting around that, uh, your, that Comic, Fest cre- Comic Fest treats their creators with such respect and just... Uh, like I know, I know a lot of comic book conventions. It always feels like the the show is a chore. I never get that vibe from Comic Fest. Oh. No, it's it's fun. I I love doing this. It's just a wonderful experience that I get to. I, I can't believe that these some like when I'm planning the event and I'm just like, so, you know, I just got off the phone with. Oh, I just got off the phone with Sergio Aragonas. I just got off the phone with Sansa Kai. It's like I I can't believe that it's like that the kind of people I'm talking to, and. It, of course, you have to fight the urge to not fanboy at times. Sure. But the thing I love most about going to San Diego Comic Fest, and I love telling this to everyone, you're going to go into the event at the start on Thursday looking up to these people as gods. But by Sunday, you just call them friend. Aww. <laughs> and that's the coolest thing in the world. It almost sounds like a t-shirt tagline. <laughs> Or a, po- a movie poster for a comic fest. Yes. But I mean, friendly and intimate. It's great because you do have the opportunity to hang out with these people. And, I mean, some, there was these guys that came out from, like, Indiana last year. They are saying Thursday night. They're sitting at the bar having some drinks. It's like, this has been the best day of my life. I just got to hang out with Sergio Aragonis. I'm like, no, it's going to get better. No, man, you can't top this. You can't top this. Those guys were packing up their bags Sunday. You're right. It got better. Every day was cooler than the last. I don't want to go back home. You're definitely going to see me back next year. I, I, do you, do you, have you heard from any of them that they're coming back? Yeah, they said they're coming back. Fantastic. They well, said you've got, you got an even bigger, better guest list this year. Nice. I, I, I love the intimacy of this comic show. It's... Uh, 
I, I, I like, because there's not too many crowds. It's not like this room. It's Comic-Con, you can barely walk through the, the aisles. This one feels much more friendly, much more, uh, it's, it's less noisy. Yeah. The whole thing is like, you know, I'm never going to speak ill of San Diego Comic-Con. Sure. Because it is like the, what I personally believe to be the most well-organized event in the world. I mean, the thing is, Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was Comic-Con. It took 50 years for it to get to that point. Yeah. And for an event of 200,000 people to always go off without a hitch in an environment where anything that can go wrong could will go wrong, but doesn't go wrong, the fact that that shows how they keep it organized and down to a science. That is a very admirable effort. But, you know, you may not have the intimacy of things at San Diego Comic-Con because there's too many cool things to be doing at once. So it's kind of just hard to slow down. Sure. You want to just like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. There's always too many cool things, which is a good problem to have. But, you know, sometimes creators, they have to, like, to meet deadlines, they have to like, you know, get to the next person in line. So you may not have the time that you want with them. But at Comic Fest, we can, we can create that environment where everyone can take their time and you can just hang out and be friendly and have a great atmosphere. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of both shows, Comic-Con and Comic-Fest, but as far as a, as a creator, I just really, really love Comic-Fest. It's, it's, one, it's one show that I know I'm going to have a good and relaxing time and meet some new fans. And make, when you say that you're going to see people as gods and then, and then by Sunday they're going to become friends, I'm no one's god. But I do make I do make a lot of friends at every year at Comic Fest. Yep. I've never had a Comic Fest where I don't make a friend. Good. And that's what I want. And I want everyone to make friends and make new friends, meet old friends, and just have a good time. It's just all about having a good time, being entertained by great programming, and just having a blast. That's what I want to do. Honestly, it wasn't until uh, until this podcast I realized, like in my head, I'm going down the list of all the times I've been here, and I've made a friend. That's literal. That's not. Not an exaggeration in any way that I've made a friend every single year of the show. Hmm. That's nuts. All right, no, that, you 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 mean it when you say that of like uh, <laughs> making friends. <laughs> I absolutely do, and I, I love that about the show. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about that uh, you're excited about in the show? You you gave us the guest list. You gave us a bunch of winks for the cafe decorations. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to tease to let us you know get us excited? Making friends is amazing. Yeah, and the cool thing about doing uh, events like this is I do get to look at who is on the guest list. And yeah. then it's like, okay, I can piece the puzzles and do cool panels together. So some of the ones I'm going to tease right here are going to be doing a Super Friends panel. Okay. With uh, Jerry Eisenberg, who was the producer for the show. Fantastic. Jim Kruger, uh, he did the series Justice with Alex Ross. Justice is very much, it's not a Justice League story, it's a Super Friends story. And so he's going to be joining that panel as well. Also, John Semper, who used to work on uh, Super Friends back in the day. Um, one I'm really looking forward to do is one called I, I Used to Write Spider-Man. So uh -huh. I get to take a couple creators who did used to work on Spider-Man over the years, including J. Michael Straczynski, John Semper, and Marv Wolfman. And they get to talk with me about their experience doing Spider-Man. That's really nerdy. Yeah. Because <laughs> don't, don't think I'm going to leave Spidey out of this. I, I love Spidey too much. Um when, when would that panel be? I'm just wondering when I got scheduled. Or is it on the website? Or it's not on the website. Just check it. Or check. By, by, by now, the website should be up. So remember, okay, sdcomicfest.org cool. and go to our program section. Uh, we will also be uh, doing a uh, really cool panel. Our good friends, the Legal Geeks, are coming back to do a panel. And I'm going to break the news here. No one else has heard it yet. This year, well, I mean, I'll hype it up a little bit. Sure. In previous years, they have done cases such as The People versus Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. The Trial of the Winter Soldier. The People 
versus the Sentinels, asking is like is a is a preemptive attack against mutants a legal, <laughs> legal determination. This year, the legal geeks, their case is the child custody hearing of Baby Yoda. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> They have, because the legal geeks, if you don't know, they are actual lawyers Uh who take on theoretical geek trials and bring them to an actual court case in front of an actual jury with actual lawyers fighting on both sides. Technically, the Mandalorian has a parent custody claim, but the pirates have a custody claim. The Imperial Remnant has a custody claim to this child. And uh, you're going to see your uh, pal Sean Richter, who has a perfect, uh, perfect Mandalorian costume as the Mandalorian at this event. <laughs> so if you want to see the child custody hearing for the ages, check out the Legal Geeks in the Trial of Baby Yoda. <laughs> and that that uh, their their legal their trials are after hours. Like when when is because I'm, I'm as someone who has a booth and bought the booth, I don't want to be that far away from my booth that often. But when when will this be? Uh, usually like mid afternoon. It's probably going to be set for Saturday. This will probably be you know occupied in the theater room, so uh-huh. everyone can see it. So the theater room does accommodate about two hundred people. So. I'm going to advertise the hell out of this, and, yeah, because uh, like uh, it's not public. Well, I mean, by, it'll be public soon. Will it be public be... when this episode mm-hmm. goes up? Yeah, because that'll be in like what two weeks? Yep. Yeah, I'm looking at my producer to find out. Um, but I'm looking forward to advertising the hell out of that because I feel like that will be everyone's. A, I, we've mentioned Baby Yoda a few times already. Uh, I think that's going to be a really popular poll. <laughs> Anything about Baby Yoda, especially a trial of Mando, are going to have any? Uh, um, I don't know if you know yet, but I'm just wondering: Are there going to be any other parent appearances from <laughs> the other parties, or if they're just going to bring? They're going to send their lawyers in their place. Who knows? Who, Who knows? Just- <laughs> Who knows who's going to step in? So uh, just uh, be there for the trial of Baby Yoda. <laughs> it's just going to be full of surprises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm look, well, it's, it's a show that I look forward to every year. And so when that when I came up, I get I get excited every time I get an email from that. I get excited. Um, it's something to follow. Uh, what what social media do you think someone should follow for? Uh, San Diego Comic Fest. Uh, check out us. Check us out on Facebook at San Diego Comic Fest. You can follow us on Twitter at SD Comic Fest. You can uh, follow us on Instagram at SD Comic Fest. And just go to our website. Get your uh, get your tickets. www.sdcomicfest.org. We do offer student gift discounts, active military, children under twelve are always free. A full four day badge for the adult is fifty dollars, and we've been committed to that price for eight years, and we haven't inflated things at all. Uh, we offer one-day badges, single day, that sort of thing. So just come on, hang out. And how Go. many days are this one? Is this show a four-day event? So four-day event. starting in Thursday afternoon, okay. a full day Saturday, full day Sunday, full day Friday, and just come out, check out some of the programs, check out our exhibit hall, meet these great creators, check things out. So everyone and anyone is going to be there. So, um, and also one of my favorite panels that I'm really looking forward to is one we do every year is what's wrong with comics and how can we fix it that is the battle free-for-all comic show that I really like so much so in previous years this panel um it is brought on we bring on guests for it so and uh this year we'll be bringing uh IDW publisher and president Chris Ryle 
Jamie Newbold of Southern California Comics, who is kind of like, you know, he's Papa Bear of the comic book stores around here in San Diego. Jamie has been around the block when it comes to comic dealing, and he's been on, uh, he's been on, why am I forgetting, he's been on Pawn Stars and stuff like that. Uh, we also are bringing on Barbara Kiesel, who's a longtime editor of more than 35 years, who's edited just about everything from from Watchmen to Robin and My Little Pony in between. And then T.J. Shevlin, who is a guy who has been a Which guy selling, yeah, yeah. Who's been, you know, selling comics at St. Mark's in New York City. He's been at IDW. And now he works at the toy company, and he's also a you know a most knowledgeable fanboy you've seen. So, and. Also invited to the panel this year is Matthias Lewis of Nowhere Games and Comics in the San Marcos area. So you have two dealer perspectives. Jamie, who's more of a back-issue guy, versus Matthias, who's more of a new-issue guy. You have TJ seeing things as a fan. You have Barbara seeing things as an editor. And you have Chris Ryle seeing things as a publisher. That's a very good, diverse perspective. A yes. list of diverse perspectives. Um, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um... Now, you're, you're, you have a pretty big social... Uh, <laughs> where can people follow you personally? Uh, you can just find me at Matt Dunford uh-huh. on Facebook. And you want people to follow you on this? Because I, can, I, I yeah. can get you more followers. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just have Matt Dunford, like at Matt Dunford on Instagram, at Matt Dunford on Twitter, at Matt Dunford on Facebook. You can find me all those places. Fantastic. All right. You can find us at uh, Question Crunch. Uh, you can find a Question Crunch on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, we we don't have a Snapchat yet. Maybe we'll get one. But uh, yeah, you can find us all over the place. Uh, what else do you? What, what other tidbits you want to give people for San Diego Comic Fest? Um, it's very cool, and you should join us because it's going to be awesome. 